0: Together, we're navigating modern dating alongside experts and real-life daters who are sharing their stories. Don't have a date for tonight? No problem. Come learn, laugh, and maybe even cry along with us as we navigate the dating scene together. Okay, you guys, I'm so excited for this episode. I'm so excited for our guest, Talia Bambola. Thank you so
1: much for being here. Welcome to Seeing Other People. Thank you. I'm a longtime listener, first-time guest, I guess is how I would say it. Uh, And I remember seeing your podcast and I was like, I got to get on there one day. And I talked to my media person and he's like, let me see what I can do. And I was like, Perfect. And so when I got your email and your like DM, I was like, this is amazing. I think I said to you. I was like, I love your podcast. Yeah. Like, I would love to be on it. So I'm very yeah. excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited.
0: It's so funny because I've been trying to figure out how to introduce you. And I feel like you're so many things and you have yes. such an impressive like title. So I'm gonna try and do it. First of all, okay. you're known as the confidence and assertiveness specialty specialist, yes. which is amazing yes. because we need yes. a lot of help More in that, of that area here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're a psychoanalytic, a licensed marriage and family therapist, a professor yep. and a speaker, and you have your master's yes. degree in clinical psychology, and you're a certified psychodynamic psychotherapist and, and host of lot. Heal Through Humor.
1: Yes. And I don't know how <laughs> I do all that I do. Um, and I, I yeah. joke I, my, with my other podcasts, I'll joke, and I'm like, I would have never started all of them if it were now. Like the fact that they've been going for years is the only reason why I've kept up with them and the fact yeah. that I love my co-hosts. but it's a lot of work. I mean, you, you know, you do this too. It's, that is like a job in and of itself if you wanted to. And then I look at all that totally. I've done and I'm like, wow, I was really ambitious when I was deriving my self-worth from productivity. Like, <laughs> okay. Yes. And then I, I think also noticing some like changes after, I don't know if other, I'm sure other women will listen to this too. After I got off birth control, that was a huge shift for me hormonally. Cause I feel like I was so driven mm-hmm. almost like man drive. And then once that shifted, I was like, I'm lighter and more free and I don't need to work as much and then I was like, yeah, I'm so glad I built all of this beforehand. <laughs> oh my god, that is so interesting. That's something I haven't thought that
0: much about. I I've been on birth control since I was in high school and it was like before I even like had sex for the first time, but I was I had such bad periods. I was like, I can't uh, I can't live yep, like this. I have yeah. a period for half the month. I can't yeah. I can't do that. Um so I've been on birth control for like half of my life and eventually one day I will go off of it and I, I, don't, I haven't really thought about how it might affect me other than
1: getting my period. <laughs> yeah, I was on it for 15 something years trying mm-hmm. to do the math. Yeah. So it was a very long time and nothing like everything came back right away, but I noticed a huge shift in my drive and I also had accomplished yeah. so much. I didn't need to get as much self-worth from work. So I think it was like a kismet mm-hmm. timing thing. Uh, but that is that is a huge shift that I noticed in my professional life too, that I was like, okay, I'm noticing this with other people, how many of my clients are also deriving self-worth from yeah. how productive they are, how much they've achieved? Are their parents proud of them? Like a lot of that, I think classic millennial psychology that the that our parents, for the most part, I don't know if yours did, really instilled in us, like be proud of yourself, but also do something that makes us proud. And it's like, okay, but what if it's not what you want me to do? And how am I going to wrestle and grapple with that? And that's a lot of the, that and and the dating and anxious attachment is a lot of what I talk about with my clients.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like I, I don't worry as much about making my parents proud. I think like I went down a, a very bizarre path. I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna not gonna, gonna like, go for yeah. my job, not yeah. gonna apply for a just gonna like figure it out. And they figure were like, Cool, like great. We yes. believe in you. But yes, I definitely put so much pressure on myself where like if I don't check everything I need to do from my to-do list off in a day, like I feel badly about myself. I'm mm-hmm. like mad mm-hmm. at myself, or if I don't take Barkley to the dog park or right. go work out in a day. Yep. I'm like, well, this day was not successful. A sh- yeah. It was wash. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, and I I think having a to-do list, if it's if it's things we already do, it can help us feel really accomplished. So if it's like brush teeth, I know I'm going to oh. do that. Yes.
0: I am the queen of adding things onto my to-do list. I will I will finish a task. I'll yes. get an email that I wasn't expecting to get. I will spend 30 minutes like doing whatever the I can do. It. And and then when I press send, I will then yep. go and add that task that yep. I just completed to my to-do list just yep. so I can check it off.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. Yes. Yeah. I think we do it to make ourselves feel better and more accomplished. And yeah. I like I've talked about it before, instead of it being a to-do list, making the goal that if you are able to get it all done, that you'll feel lighter, like a ta-da list, like a oh, ta-da, I finished it. So Love even that. shifting that mind state can help because sometimes it's totally. this never ending list. And if it's on there for three weeks, you're not going to do it. Just admit it yeah. to yourself. Stop lying. Like that's just, that is what it is. It's not going to get done. And that's okay. That's totally okay. Yeah. The sooner yeah. you accept it, the better. Yes. The sooner I you agree. can stop feeling
0: badly about it. Probably. I agree. <laughs> Okay. So I want to know your life story, but really like how did you, what what led you to this path? What led you to become a therapist? What led you to really want to like help women with their self-worth and
1: confidence and relationships? So like I think many therapists, it was a personal journey before it was a professional mm. journey. Um, and if you've heard this if you've heard me share this before on other podcasts, you can like fast forward a couple minutes or you can listen again. You might learn something new. Uh, I had a therapist. I started when I was in seventh grade because I was getting really badly bullied. So growing up, I think I had, well, from what I was told and from what I saw in like skits and videos, when I was a kid, I had that natural confidence and naturally around middle school is when usually girls get clicky. It was a little bit before that, but it really hit ahead in middle school. And my parents were like, you need to talk to somebody. And this was at a time where, Therapy was not widely accepted. It was still like on the cusp of, oh, you're in therapy. Like, what's wrong with you? And nowadays it's like, you're not in therapy. What's wrong with you? Like, are you okay? You're just raw dogging reality. Like not, no one's guiding you through life. So I started therapy and that relationship, even some weeks, that was like the only thing that I was really looking forward to. Like I was in a really dark place during my, like when puberty hit and my hormones shifted, that depression came in real strong. Plus the bullying And so being transformed by that hour or two a week that I got with my therapist, learning more about mental health and learning more about how to heal myself from the inside out with and without therapy is when I was deciding what career to take. I was like, should I be a doctor? Because my mom's a doctor and I like helping people. Like no matter what career I picked, it was really about helping people. But then when i realized after grad school or after college i was like i really don't want to go to like take the gmat and all this other whatever the mcat any of those ac- alphabet acronym tests i was yeah. like what am i already qualified to do that people have said i'm very good at and i would actually enjoy doing like that ikigai japanese like something you can get paid for something you're good at something mm-hmm. that brings purpose to the world and that you're passionate about and i was like that's it so i started grad school right after college i think i was like 21 when I started my doctorate, and it was like the rest was history, I wanted to get done as soon as possible, and not literally get my hands on some clients. But like, I really wanted to start helping people. And I remember my when I was sitting with my first clients, I'd done like research and other positions before and I was like, this is what I meant to do. So it felt so I am very lucky that I knew what I wanted to do from such a young age. And I never had a doubt in my mind and it was never a question of will i get hired or will i not because as soon as i could i opened my own practice and my own businesses so it's it's it was cookie cutter but i think i had put in so much of the extra bullshit and work when i was younger like some yeah. people have to do that in their like 20s before they get to their 30s i did all that in my like teens so in my 20s and 30s it wasn't a problem so i feel very blessed that it was it was still Trying at times, but it was a much easier career path because I never had that chapter of my life where I'm like, "What am I going to do with my life?" I've always known. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, the world is a much better place because you did not want to take tests that yes. had a few letter words in, yes. in them. Yes. So, Thank you. I appreciate that, that. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like I, I totally relate to your experience with like having to go through school, but just being like, "I want to skip to the part where I can help people." Yes. Like, like that's what yes. you're here for. And yes, we have to learn. <laughs> you have to like write papers and do essays and listen to lectures and stuff like all you really want to be doing is pressing the fast forward and then yep. pressing play when you can actually be like face to face with somebody helping them through in the way that someone helped you through.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and to know what it feels like to be both in the chair and on the couch is an invaluable, it's priceless. Yeah. And I think more therapists, I know the APA for psychologists requires you to go to your own therapy. Unfortunately, oh, yeah, I didn't the, know that. for, for licensed, as far as my research has shown for LMFTs and LCSWs, unless it's a requirement in your schooling, it's not a requirement for your licensure. Like the board doesn't require it of you, uh, cause we were through the BBS, not the, um, APA, I think it is, or the BOP, the Board of Psychology, duh. <laughs> more acronyms. Um, if you're not comfortable with acronyms, don't be a therapist. <laughs> I'll just say that to anyone listening who's like, that sounds like a cool career path. There are so many to, to think of. You're not required to go to therapy. And I remember being in grad school and some people being like, oh, I've never been. And I'm like, what? They're like, and it's just not for me. I was like, it's not like a new dish that you don't want to try. Like you're literally going to devote your life to this potentially. Like that's how I saw the career. It's like, this is my life's work, my mission in life. I want to make sure I'm, I'm taking care of myself. And it's not to say there's other career paths. I'm sure that if you're like a heart surgeon, you don't have to have had heart surgery to be a good heart surgeon, but it sure helps with your bedside manner when they come in and they're like, Oh, the books say this. But you know, when I went through it and the person's like, Oh my God, you survived. it!" Like to see somebody who's gone through it and, to have clients. And I'm, op- I'm more open than I think most therapists are. I still have a lot of boundaries, but I'm more open with, if they ask a question of like, Oh, have you ever dealt with this? I usually answer like, yeah, you're definitely not alone in that. If it's helpful, I can share mine. If not, I can share like right. what I've learned from clients. And they usually are like, yeah, just tell me what's relevant. And then we go from there. It's not, I'm using, I'm not using other people's therapy as my therapy, which I think is a huge risk. And we see that rampant all over social media. Now one person mm-hmm. goes to therapy and shares their advice or feedback from their therapist with everyone. And they're like, Oh my God, do I have that too? And it's like, Oh my God, no. Like stop diagnosing each other I know, online. I, know. I like that. It's more widely known and therapy's cool now, but it's also a lot of cleanup work for us when we have a client. And so I saw this TikTok, and I'm always like, what is it now?
0: You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere, for everything, all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform, and if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. I'm not just a girl on the go these days. I am a chicken running around with its head cut off. Two podcasts, wedding planning, wedding attending, dog momming, traveling, and trying to eat well, move my body, and stay sane all at once is not a recipe for success. That's why I've turned to my recipe masters, AKA Factor, which delivers ready to eat meals that taste delicious, make me feel good and take a major thing off of my to-do list. Factors' meals are pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and there are more than 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Guys, I seriously can't say enough good things about Factors' meals. They take two minutes to heat up, which means I can pop them in the microwave between recordings, or I can grab a ready-made smoothie from the fridge on my way to a workout class, or I can even have dinner ready for me and Jake after a really long day of work without lifting a finger. It has changed so much and has really made me feel like there's one less thing I need to worry about. And I feel good after eating the meals like they're so delicious and nutritious. You can order as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. And you can pause or reschedule whenever you need, which has been really helpful for me with on and off traveling that I've had over the last few months and over the next few months. And you guys know I love when things make sense financially and Factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So you save money and you don't have to go anywhere to pick them up. Factor's roasted garlic butter salmon and their tomato basil chicken risotto are two of my favorites that I keep ordering on repeat, but honestly, every single one of their meals has lived up to the hype. And of course, we are hooking you guys up. Head to factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 and use code seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. That's code seeingotherpeople50 at factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. (laughs) What is it and (laughs) what bothers me so much is how and we'll get to dating, guys. I promise. Yes. But, um, <laughs> what bothers me so much is how easily people throw out these terms, like, like oh, like I'm so manic right now, or yeah, I've yep. been disassociating all yep. week. It's like, yeah, no, you're not. Like, you're, you're actually not. clinically and, untrue. Yeah, and that's so problematic for people who
1: actually are. Mm-hmm. It takes away. In some ways, it makes the it makes society more open to hearing those terminologies and not immediately shunning it. And in other ways, it can take away the voice of people who truly are going through that. And I wrote a post the other day. It was very ironic. I wrote a post and somebody was like, do you see a lot of overlap between people with ADHD and avoidant attachment? And I was like, I don't, first of all, I really don't like labels. Like, I think if it helps you to feel like you can do research on yourself, great. But I wouldn't go around being like, I'm a this, that, so-and-so, what mm-hmm. have you. Like, I don't define myself with labels for the most part. Um, unless it's in a professional setting, and somebody asked, and I was like, obviously, I'd say I'm a therapist, but I wasn't I wasn't born, and the doctor's like, it's a therapist. Like, that was something right. I chose along the way, and somebody messaged in, and she- Imagine, wait, that's right? hilarious. Could concept. you imagine if it's like a sorting hat, but your doctor, when you're born, it, like, chooses the career for you? It's like a Harry Potter It's crossover. an accountant. <laughs> yeah, you're like, it doesn't strike me as an accountant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God, that'd be really, really cool. really funny. Yeah, and this woman, um, this therapist messaged in, and she's like, well, what do you mean you don't like late? I don't reply to a lot of the stuff I get because I'm like oh, I don't have time for this. I'll, if I don't get paid for it now, at this point in social media, I'm not going to be arguing back and forth with somebody in my messages. Not going to. I need I need you to
0: ingrain that yeah. concept into my brain. I just Thank I
1: you. I don't if if it is not gonna if I'm not gonna think about it. Obviously, I'm thinking about it now, but if I'm not gonna think about it in a week, I don't spend my time on it for the most part. And she messaged in and was like, "But I'm a this this that therapist, and I'm like." Labels work for you, like good for you, Mm -hmm. but you're literally proving my point why hearing this kind of information is usually so activating for people who have lived their whole life underneath a label. You can have something and it not be your whole identity. Same thing with, I mean, that's a good segue for attachment styles. I was very anxiously attached. I didn't know it at the time. I learned about it mostly in retrospect and it still flares up is what I call it from time to time. But I'm otherwise very secure now, unless I'm like sleep deprived, haven't eaten, oh, you know, some sort of biological marker is off, then my 14 year old self is far more likely to come out. But I know that now. And had I only stuck with, I'm so anxiously attached, I'm so this, when I tried to be secure, my body would be like, what are you doing, bitch? Like, you're lying. We are anxious. Don't try and act like you're not bothered by this you have to be able to let go of the labels as much as you were able to define yourself by them. And a lot of people struggle with either finding something that's accurate, like attachment wise, that fits what they are experiencing. And once they find it, they don't want to get rid of it. Or they don't, they like labeling other people. Well, I'll, everybody I date is avoidant. And I'm like, could it be also that some part of you is avoidant? They're like, pff, pff, yeah. And then like, <laughs> like and it ends up coming out. But at the beginning, they're like, No,
0: no. Yes, that is rude. How did you as somebody who was anxious attached end up in a healthy, long-term
1: relationship? Yes. Uh, Therapy, top (laughs) of the list. Uh, Doing a lot of work on self-worth because in my, what I have found in anxious attachment, one of the biggest pendulum swings that we go through uh, is I'm too much, I'm not enough both internally to our own self and externally in relation to other people. If we are finding that that's what we're seeking out, if I'm operating under the worldview that I am too much or I am not enough, it would make sense why I would end up picking people who confirmed that belief about myself. It wasn't a fault of their own. It wasn't a fault of mine. It's not a fault. It's an attribution more so that I didn't feel worthy. I lacked self-worth in some areas, especially in dating. And so I settled for whatever I could get. Oh, at least they're validating me. At least they're giving me attention. So I shifted away from that narrative. And I remember I dated this, I dated, (laughs) I've I've kissed a lot of frogs. I remember leaving one of a very, very bad, very bad relationship. And the next person, I took a lot of time to heal. The next person I dated after that, parents were still married, super secure. And I was like, I'm going to fuck it up. Like once he finds out that I have this past, he's not going to love me. Like, and this was in adulthood, like it really was racking my brain And I remember sharing a lot of that. And he was like, cool, like was totally fine. I was like, wait, I'm not, I'm I'm not too much or not enough. So in part, I had to believe it. And in part, I had to hear it from somebody else. I almost had to get like permission. That's not the case for everybody, but it sure helps to have it reaffirmed. And that's when I started to shift like, oh, I have to, the best person I have to convince is me. It's not anybody else. I don't have to convince somebody else I'm good enough. I have to believe and realize I'm already good enough. There's not more work to be done. There's not more books to read. There's not more therapy weekend workshops to try. Like it can start now. You can start adopting the belief that you are enough, even if it feels like bullshit at first today. And that's how you, that's how I worked my way into a very successful and secure relationship. We're building a family together. Like there's no doubt in my mind that this person is the person for me. Obviously we have some conflicts, but we don't ever lose respect for one another in those conflicts. And that's how I also know it's secure because we'll approach it. Like, wait a second, this was my bad in this part. This is what like, we are very vocal and communicative when it comes to what is great about our partnership, as well as what areas we need to work on. And those are traits about us specifically. And we met later in life and we know each other. So we're not willing to change those things. And that helps too, to be secure, knowing here's who I am. Here's who I'm not. If you want this, Version of somebody, I'm not the one. (laughs) Like, I'm the one if you want this person. I'm not the one if you want me. You're not going to change me. I've already changed myself enough and changed back to who I truly am. I'm not going to go back to being a fake version of myself.
0: I'm laughing because I I had an experience the other night with my fiance, Jake, and I asked him to do something and he was like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, why not? And he's like, know who you're marrying. (laughs) Like, and I was like, you're right. Like, yep. And yes. it was literally about, like, brushing Barkley's teeth. Yes. Yeah. But, like, that was never going to be something that Jake was ever going to, like, take the initiative to do Yeah, because I'm the one who, like, grew up with the dog and, like, yep. Barkley was mine and then also became his. And yep. have I did I ever brush my other dog's teeth? No, I've never brushed dog's teeth in my life. But if there were going to be somebody yep. who would initiate this, yep. it would be me. And, exactly. and that's okay.
1: Yes. But, but I thought there's that this was expectation. Like, yeah. It's so good, though, that he like he it's like a, a check he like checked you yeah. on it and you're like mm, but that's not what I built in my mind and my mind in the right. conversation you said yes and then you take it over and then I have to worry about right. it right so can you just like relearn your lines babe like what yeah. script did you get because that's not yeah, exactly. I do the same thing with my husband it's so funny because we'll go back and forth, and it'll be like well I want you to do this he's like it's not going to happen and I was like yeah, I'm going to really what? need you to change your answer on that one. And he was like, no. And I'm like, no. like why would this, I ever do yeah. that? Like, it's it's that's like, not that's me. Not I am exactly. That's, and so I'm like, that wasn't you, in my job description. <laughs> I respect that. And I, I give him a lot of props because being with a therapist who does psychoanalysis is so like, he's like, not everything has to have a deeper meaning. And I looked at him and he's like, that also doesn't have to. And I was like, mm, yeah, too late. too late. You already said it. Not so bad. the fact that you don't think that also lets me into your psyche. He's like enough. And my therapist is like. Okay, sometimes he's going to be right. And as much as it pains me to, no, I'm totally fine admitting it. And that's another part of the secure relationship. I have no problem admitting when I'm at fault and I have no problem also yeah. kindly pointing out when it's not that he's at fault necessarily, but it's more like, I need you to own this. Like we'll, right. we'll have communications because we have a dog as well as, you know, scheduling wise, it's like, well, can you drop him off? Can you pick him up? And it's like good prep for kids. Um, Cause I'm, I'm due in December. So we have a baby on the way also. So there's like this, a lot of changes happening, which are super exciting, but it's good prep because we have to have those discussions and to be in a secure partnership where I don't worry about asking, hey, this needs to get done. Hey, can you go to the vet? Hey, can you make this appointment? What have you? And to know it just gets done because he is secure. That also helps like I'm more secure because I found someone secure. I didn't try and rein in an avoidant and tame a wild Mustang to prove my worth. Like I would prove it at work and I would also prove it because I would date like the most avoidant, like knuckle tattoos. had probably killed someone with his bare hands type of guy. And like once I tamed him and he was like, I'll be yours forever. I was like, I don't want you anymore though, because you are not as edgy and unavailable and now right. i've seen behind the curtain and we can't be together any longer and he's like that's so fucked up he he told me one time he was like i feel like you adopted an abused dog from the dog shelter And once you like cared for it enough that it was well enough to get adopted, you like, you're done raising it. He had his own other issues. He was like a diagnosed narcissist. So we're not going to give too much empathy when it comes to that. But that was him being able to vocalize. That's how it felt really let me into my own pattern of trying to be Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I'll yeah, love trying you no matter what. All yeah, and I was like, I wanted that for me. I was projecting onto other people the treatment I really wanted to receive. And once I yeah. realized that, that's really what changed the game that I could give that to myself. I didn't have to wait for someone to give it to me.
0: Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is going to Aruba. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I love that, and I think that is so beautiful what you just said because I think so many of us we feel like, and this is something that I always said when going through breakups or situationships that ended, I'm like, but I have so much love to give and I want to give it to you. Like I will do anything for you. I will be there for you. I will help you through whatever. Like I'm, I'm here for you. Like, why is that not enough? And it's that I, I needed me to actually be there for me and to be, yeah patient with me and helping me all I wanted was like give my love to this person I cared about and that wasn't a healthy dynamic at all because also I was giving something and not receiving anything in return which made me just want to give more and more which pushed them away but it took so many like repeated scenarios of me doing the same thing over and over to finally be like wait a second this is not good for me and this is not leading me to the results that I want and mm-hmm. I'm not okay. Right. And I need to first make sure that I'm okay before I could ever even like get into a healthy relationship.
1: Yes. And that brings up this phenomena of in order for like, you have to love yourself before anyone can love you. I'm mixed on that. I do me think too. therapeutically, it makes sense that if I don't yet have a space carved out in me a capacity to, to know what receiving love feels like, even if it's from self to self, then yes, by that definition, I don't, I couldn't have somebody else love me because I don't have a space for it on my metaphorical psychic bookshelf. I would be mm. given it. And it's like when people hold kids and they don't like kids and they're like, thank you. And they hand it back. They're like, <laughs> like
0: don't what do know I what to do, with, do with
1: that. That's yeah. yours. And you can keep it. And I will look at it from afar. Gross. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't have that part of you carved out, you don't have space to receive it again from yourself or another person so once you're able to understand what receiving and and being in love not the romantic sense but like being in the presence of love feels like and you have capacity and you've developed capacity for it then you can receive it from other people until that happens you'll block it you'll make an excuse you'll run away you'll avoid you'll hold it but play hot potato with it like you do have to have some level of love for yourself in order to feel worthy of another person loving you. And the key here is like to recognize it because so many people, you can other people to your point. It's like, I'm trying to love you. I'm trying to this. I remember dating another guy one time we were sitting on the couch and I had like leaned over to give him a hug. So I was like non-sexually sitting on his lap, looking into his eyes Mm -hmm. and I was like i just you're so amazing like really just giving him a compliment you know words of affirmation as a as a kid Mm -hmm. i didn't hear them enough so naturally it's my love language as as most things are inversely and he was like i don't see myself that way and he teared up and i was like okay this makes a lot more sense because if i was i was seeing him so positively which is another anxious attachment like you see the other person so much more positively than others or yourself he did we didn't have the same view of who he was And he was desperately trying to be the person I saw him as and knew him to be capable of. And other people saw him like that. He just couldn't see it. So he couldn't receive the love I was trying to give because he didn't feel worthy of it is what ended up being our undoing. So that and a few other things, but being able to know that you are capable of that and that's the work that needs to be done prior to being in a partnership. That's how I recommend people move towards secure attachment. It's no one's favorite advice to hear. I have a lot of dating coaching clients. They're like, why are we talking about my parents? I'm trying to like, get like, do the app. And I was like, I right. can give you any picture you want. You could have the perfect match. But if you don't feel worthy, you're going to throw it in the garbage. You're gonna be like, he's too hot. She's too this. They're too like, if you're too enamored with the person and you don't feel worthy, you're going to blow it up. You're not going to feel yeah. worthy of it. So you're just going to be like, I can't do this. And it's like, you don't have a dating problem. I always joke. My brother hates this one, but I was like, Everybody could find a partner if you just settle and have no standards. Like, it's really not that hard. (laughs) That's so true, and that's what I try and remind my friends
0: and my listeners when they're coming to me, being like, "Everybody else is like with somebody. Like, I want to be with somebody so badly." And I'm like, "You could, you could be with somebody. You could find somebody who wants to date. Literally, just anybody. Yeah, you could. But is that going to be the person that you're happy with, that you feel fulfilled with, that you want to build a life with? No. And that person is worth." we're working for and waiting for and yes. yeah, like like you said, like kissed a lot of frogs. Like yeah. you might have to, you know? Yeah. And that's okay because when you do find that person, when you are in a place to accept each other and what you both have to give,
1: it makes it all worth it. Yes. And and to your point, had I met who I am with now at any yeah. other point,
0: I either Me wouldn't have been interested
1: because he's yeah. too secure. I would have been like you're like a really boring scoop of vanilla ice cream. I'd like some Rocky mm-hmm. road, please. So that wouldn't have been good. And had I met any of the other guys I used to date now, I would also not be interested. So like either way you slice it. I had to be like, timing does make a huge difference and timing in your own psyche makes a huge difference. I had to be yeah. this version of me to partner with that version of him to grow together into all the other versions were meant to be and will eventually become. And When we're with somebody and we're so desperate. I've given the example of like a job interview, which both works for like putting your, putting your resume out there. Like I have on Indeed and Monster and this, be on the apps, but don't be so desperate that if you're trying to look for a job every day, you're like, why has nobody looked at my resume? Why isn't this? I'm on LinkedIn, like freaking out. It's like, it's on there. It's, it's out there. If other people want to view your resume, they will. And in dating, if you're going on a date, you can't walk to the date and be like, I need this to work. You don't understand. Like, this is my only option. The other person yeah. is going to feel that energy and be like, mm, they want a relationship more than they want to be in it with a specific person. And or that's More than they want to even attractive. get to know me.
0: They don't, yeah, yes. they don't care They just about want me. the title
1: or the label of the security yeah. or the comfort of like, I'm, I'm similar in my peer group now. Like I have, I'm, I'm dating, I'm engaged, I'm married, I have kids, whatever the level is generationally. So I don't feel as alone because socially, like if you look at evolutionary psychology, people don't like to be in the out group. I don't want to be yeah. so different because back in the day and back in those times, that meant death. If you were too different in either direction, you were cut out of the herd. And yeah. that is still ingrained in us that we want to be unique, but not so unique and different we feel like an outcast. You don't. You need to have enough people in an out group to make a new in group in social psychology. And no one wants to feel like the last to do something unless it's a really icky thing. Like the, the being the last of the one to have kids is a totally different thing because you hear all the nice, positive, but also horror stories that you're like. I think I'm good. Actually, I could wait. Yeah, on that. At that point, you not, you're not going to yeah. be the
0: last because you're not going to do it. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. So I imagine I get asked this a lot, this concept of right person, wrong time. I imagine uh, that based on everything you said, you yeah. do not
1: believe in that. I, I, that's a tough one. As I like. I like that's a thinker. I want to say, like you mentioned earlier, it's mixed. I do think you could meet, To to my, to the point we just made and your fiance's name is Jake. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you and Jake talked about as well. If you had met at another point, it may not have come to fruition. I think in those terms, like if you're able to finally meet the secure person and you hear each other's pasts and like journeys, then yes, you could look at right person, wrong time because you're with the right person. But at any other point, it may have been the wrong time. It's something though that people use for comfort. That might be a false sense of security. That oh well, if if they just weren't doing this, if they just weren't about to move or this career, then maybe it could have worked out. And they're like pining over the person. Then I don't think that that's a helpful um, trope societally to fall into.
0: And I I think that's the biggest use case for it is like justifying why it didn't work out, but trying to, you know, say well they like you're you're holding on to it even more by saying that.
1: Yes. And you're building more people. And this is something we talk about a lot in analysis. You're often holding this fantasy projective version of mm-hmm. the partner yeah. instead of being in a relationship with the real person in front of you. And the key difference there is if I'm fantasizing and projecting and interacting with an unrealized version of that person that may never be realized, mm-hmm. I am not in reality. And so anything this person does that might uh, bring reality closer into the frame, I'm going to fight against it. People show you who they are and they tell you who they are. And if you are too caught up in your fantasy, you rewrite that. Well, they said this, but what they really meant was this. So then the ring is going to be here now. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, he literally said he never wants to have kids or be married, but maybe if he loves me enough, carry the two, we move to Texas. This like, it's not going to happen. And people comfort themselves with, Uh, kind of a band-aid, if you will, guarding against popping that blister of sometimes it's the other person and sometimes it's you. Like sometimes there is something about you that needs to change if you have seen, it's a big caveat, if you have seen that same theme and undoing in multiple relationships. It's not like one time this happens and the person's like, oh, I don't like that you're a therapist. I'd be like, okay, fuck off. Like nobody else has had a problem with it. Clearly this is individual to us. But if it's the person's like, you you are overly emotional, it sounds like you need to work on your anxiety, what have you, if you're getting similar feedback from multiple people you've dated, chan- and they've never met each other, ch- chances are that's pretty strong data to analyze. That's not just everybody making it up and like secretly meeting behind your back, <laughs> faking exactly. the reason why they're dumping you, yeah.
0: For for me, it was always I really like you, but I'm not looking for anything serious right now. And that's and, a,
1: that's a trend, right? Look at who you're yeah. dating. Probably they might have been young, career right. driven in the future, avoidant. Who knows?
0: Exactly. And yeah. and my imagination. This is like like you said. Like we become so creative and write this whole different yep. narrative. But I feel like we people love to joke. Like I see this all over TikTok and Instagram now. Like oh yeah, like I've been dating the same guy in different fonts for years. Uh-huh. And yep. It's actually like a problem where if you're realizing that and if you can say that or if a friend is saying it to you, you and your friends are joking about it at brunch, like you actually have to look into that and think about it because that right there, like that is a sign. Like people also obsess over red flags. Like that is a waving flag, not about somebody else, not about this situation, but like about you that you need to address and think about.
1: And that pattern it's not about. I I've joked before because some of my clients, I'll if they date the guy with the same name, I call it brand loyalty, <laughs> but they'll date the guy and or girl in different forms. What is it about those traits? I, I separate it from the the human, the name. What are these traits? And I give this really in depth. It's like a ten page relationship inventory when I work with my clients, and it's like very intensive. And some of them are like, this is inundating. I can't do this in one sitting. And I'm like, that's why we were together for more than a few months. Like, take your time with it noticing what are those themes who initiated were you initiating every single time were they initiating every single time was there a huge age gap was one of you more in pursuit of the other like i love pattern recognition and systems and yeah. you need to go in and see that in your own life if everyone you date never was looking for something serious first look at the timeline of when you're dating because guys in their or like obviously late teens, but I would say to like early thirties, that kind of decade, one of my mentors, um, what she calls it, is like being in that night phase. They're all about fun and adventure gallivanting around. They don't want to settle down like anything in the name of fun and adventure. That's not where women are at in that time period, societally or biologically for the most part, obviously we're more career driven now, but deep down there are parts of us that are like partnership like we can't be with you without deep partnership it's very difficult for women to keep things surface and casual as much as we can work towards it there is parts of us there are parts of us that are ingrained to lock it down potentially have a child etc and that's from evolution so looking at it there's a mismatch if i'm in my early 20s and everybody i was dating wasn't looking for something serious that's probably more a sign of the times if I'm in my 30s, 40s, and then this is the continuing theme, that is really when you want to look inward also and go, okay, what is it about those traits that is sparking in me that I'm both attractive to and attracted to that kind of person? There's clearly some dynamic magnetism that I'm seeking that out far beyond the life phase where it's normal to not want something serious.
0: Totally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think yeah. Like you said, like, it's okay if you're post-grad in your early twenties and you just want to have fun and go for with people it. and date around, like there's yeah. literally nothing wrong with that no. at all. Yep. What, what I say to that is just make sure that the person on the other side of the table on your date is aware of that.
1: Yes. And that you're vocalizing it and not playing cool girl or cool dude. Oh, I just, yep. I'm, I want something casual. And I that was one of my biggest undoings. <laughs> I want something casual. Cause I thought that's what he wanted me to mm. say. Um, And I actually was committed to that at first. I think the birth control helped. And many moons ago I was going into law enforcement instead of therapy. That could be a whole other episode. I was doing like a career shift. So I was much more avoidant. I was in my ice queen phase as my friends called it. I didn't care. I was like very ruthless. I also just wasn't respecting men that much, which is another journey that a lot of women are currently on right now. Um, But I, I think shifting out of that I eventually like fell in love and I told him, I had to tell him, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, this hurts. And I want something more. And you're telling me, I'm hearing you, you're not ready to partner again. He had been divorced, et cetera. I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, and we continued to try and it was very toxic, but had I been more, had I had higher self-worth at that point, I think I would have been able to stay away as painful as it was to cut an option off. I knew, I some part of me always knew deep down it wasn't going to be the person I would end up with. Right. And looking at looking backwards at that, being able to be in that conversation and be vulnerable and share honestly like I actually do want this. I changed my mind. In the beginning I didn't want something serious, but I have to update you now that my feelings have changed and so many people don't bother to have either the initial conversation or the updated conversation and they're like, "Yeah, want so cool like oh you just want to hook up with other girls and call me at 2am i love that i will always be available it's like why what's the line stop settling for crumbs when you want a full meal like yeah if that's what you want and it doesn't negatively impact your self-esteem fine. do so safely go for it yeah use protection go have fun if though deep down that's not what you want if you are incongruent with yourself you're crossing your own boundaries why would another person not think it's okay to do the same thing? Like you're leading by example. The way you treat yourself is how others are going to treat you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have no idea what we just talked about for 36 minutes. Um, I had an entire outline of like 27 things that I couldn't wait to discuss and don't know what we just talked about, but loved every second of it. I do want to hit a few listener questions because I think you would have a really, really great insight. The last guy I dated soft ghosted me because he wasn't ready for something serious, only to debut his new girlfriend a month after, and right around the time I was starting to feel better about him not being in my life. I was devastated, and it left me wondering if I'm not girlfriend material, what does it take? I'm in my mid-20s. I've never had a boyfriend, despite me being actively dating since I was 18. Soft
1: ghosting, I would imagine, means they had like a conversation. Slow fade. Slow fade? Okay. Yeah. Um, I resonate with this as well. I call it like being the good luck Chuck. I can't tell you how many guys that I dated who ended up finding their like life partner or long-term partner right after we dated, I think twofold uh, answer for the listener question. It's what does it take? It takes you doing the inner work and being very receptive to the guy who is trying to give you things on the date, whether that be like holding the door open for you, paying for the bill, like the classic tropes, or meeting him where he is at. And if you are your authentic self, you might be able to see differently that it wasn't actually a good match. You Maybe she's the type that wanted a relationship more than the specific person. And subconsciously we can sense that. So it's not that there's anything wrong with you that he didn't choose you if it wasn't meant to be, or there were non-starters or things he noticed that he didn't maybe want to vocalize or couldn't vocalize. Like, I don't know if I can be with somebody like that. That's actually better for you to end up finding out. Yes, it sucks. And it's very painful when we see that person end up with another person. Once this Person ends up finding a boyfriend, I imagine this person she dated will slowly, very quickly actually fade out of her mind and it won't be as much of a concern. It's no, the good luck, Chuck phenomena is something I have talked about on my Instagram page too. Sometimes the person who helps you realize what you want isn't the person who gives you what you want.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. so true. I also think going back to kind of what we said or what you said in the beginning with the labels, like you don't have to yeah. label yourself as not girlfriend material. The reality is, you just weren't going to be this person's girlfriend. And Exactly, that, and that's okay. You know, you're not you're not going to be for everyone. Just like everybody's not going to be for you. And mm-hmm. so, I guarantee this guy, even though he's dating someone new, when he ended things with you or slow goes to yeah. do whatever, yeah, he wasn't thinking like, oh, like Talia's not girlfriend yeah. material. Right. So like, it was nice to go on a few dates with her, but I'm gonna go find the girlfriend. it, yeah. it just it was just like not a fit. There was something that wasn't there or was there that they weren't looking for. And yep. you're just not going to be a fit with everybody. And I know it's frustrating year after year trying to find your person and similar things happening or or you just not finding them, but you will. Like you have to yes. believe that you will. And there's nothing yes. wrong with you. The right no, person there's nothing will wrong with you. love you for you.
1: And maybe make the goal less about, I need to make this person my boyfriend. I know it's very hard biologically. And like, I, I talk yes. about that a lot too, but- look at dating as the first date is a decision if if I want to go on a second date and then so on and so forth and keep your eyes open to am I getting what I need to get and am I able to give what I need to give for this to continue till it's meant to continue that could be forever that could be three dates. so stop tying it to be like I have to make this person my boyfriend into like do I like them rather than do they like me
0: you do correct me if I'm wrong but I believe you do like coaching with people surrounding like finances and money as well. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I pulled a question specifically for that. So cool. I'm excited to have you here. Yay! Somebody said, what are your thoughts on dating while poor? I quit my job two years ago to work on my own thing. And I've started feeling insecure about asking anyone out now. I've been in long-term relationships with two girls since quitting. And my lack of money was always in the back of my mind and it can lead to some anxiety on my side. As a guy, I still feel it's my responsibility to pay for dates. While I've never been stingy, a date night in a big city could easily go over $100, not to mention going to big events like concerts and sporting events. Should I continue to put dating on hold until I'm more financially stable? I don't want to go on dates and tell somebody I don't have a job and then think I'm a bum. Am I blowing this out of proportion? I just feel bad about dragging someone down.
1: So I would um, definitely give the feedback that if there's any part of him that views himself as a bum, or that believes he is dragging people down, then that's going to come true. Like he will end up inadvertently manifesting or picking somebody who confirms that because that's something he needs to look inward at. If you are, if you eventually want to be more of the like career driven provider, etc, like you, you know, talked about for yours, it's like I lost my job, or I quit my job, I don't have a job. And I'm in the interim of do I get another one or not? What am I going to do? if you want to wait until you feel more like a provider, financially stable and established, the type of woman that you're going to be attractive to and attracted to will change. So Mm. if you're wanting it to to be like the next chapter where you're more stably dating, then yes, it would make sense to wait. It doesn't mean you have to not date at all in the interim, but maybe your goal of dating is getting to know other people, getting to explore what other free options are around the city, at the core though i whether the woman is the provider as well or not there is something that's hardwired in us especially once we get pregnant and have kids that we immediately seek out like are you making enough money do we have enough house do we have this it's so hardwired in us because we want our species and our like own genetics to survive so you're you're kind of combating with thousands of years of evolution as well as day-to-day interactions, if you feel secure in it and you know that you can provide what you can provide, it might not be what others can provide, lean into more of what you can provide rather than focusing on what currently you're unable to, to the level that you would like.
0: Yeah. I also think, you know, I'm just staring and rereading the question and you mentioned you quit your job two years ago to work on your own thing, but then the rest of it was just about feeling like you're not enough, feeling like you can't give enough, like other people are going to look at you poorly because of it. You did something really brave and badass and you quit your stable job to yes. work on something and pursue something that you're passionate about. And yes. I think that's what you should focus on. And that's what you should actually like change the narrative in your mind. Cause you did something awesome and maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. It's always mm-hmm. a risk. But I think if you can more focus on like, you're working really hard, you're taking this big risk. It's scary, yeah. but you're so passionate about it that's something that people are going to be attracted to. And they're going to completely understand like, oh yeah, like we're not going to go to a five-star restaurant, but we can still have a five-star quality date doing something yes. really fun and connecting.
1: Yes. And if you have a vision for whatever you're building, your whatever your own thing is, and it's coming true, lean yeah. into that. And um, Layla and Alex Hormozzi are one of my favorite like social media. I love business stuff, so I follow them. She has been her, like his ride or die since he was like, had to live at his pair. She, he lived at her parents' house in a different room. Like he was, she's like, I would be with you if we lived under a bridge. Like I don't, I'm in it for you. I'm not in it for the money. There are people out there. I'm like one of, I'm like Layla and Matt as well. There are people out there where it's not about the money. Is that a bonus? Sure. Cause everybody needs money to survive in some way, but that's not, you don't necessarily want to partner with somebody who's only in it for that or who only is wanting somebody who can make X amount of money. Money is important. We need it to live, but over a certain amount, it's really superfluous. So focus on your passion, lead with that and give yourself probably a deadline. If it doesn't work out in X amount of months, keep it as a side project, go get something stable. So you cannot be stressing yourself out. Financial stress is one of the most um, unsexy things that we find in ourselves, like that scarcity mindset, or uh, what if I'm poor? What if I'm a bum? You need to address that in your own therapy and rework those core beliefs before you try dating again. Otherwise it's going to sneak back up.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. One more. I have great dates. I've been going on great dates, but the guy doesn't text in between the dates. He texts once a day or two. This creates a lot of anxiety in me. How do
1: I address this? Uh, So women are far more affected by the written word than men. And once we go on a date with you, we are like, we're in a relationship and we expect relationship level behavior and communication you're not in a relationship until you're in a relationship. Sorry to tell you, but harsh truths are my um, specialty, I would say. I try to be kind with them. It is the kindest thing to yourself to understand, why do I want that? What is it about constant communication that would soothe me, that would give me hope? Am I tying something to it? Like He's going to be more likely to make me his girlfriend if fill in the blank. Like, you need to address your own beliefs. And separate from that, understand you are far more affected by the written word. It means something to you. Men are more of the, they don't really share a lot of details. Some do. I don't want to mean to be stereotypical, but some do, some most don't, because there's not a purpose to it. I'm going to get to the point. I'm going to share what I need to share. I don't ask a lot of questions. I don't need a lot of details because I see what I need to see. I know what I need to know. So sometimes women feel this pressure or this expectation. Well, so-and-so friend had their date go, you know, I am like, did it end up coming true? Well, yeah, they ended up together. Great. That's one example of what could happen, but for the most part, don't put so much pressure on it and also ask like, did you ever tell this person I want X amount of communication between dates? Because sometimes if you set that standard from the beginning, the person's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You don't even need to waste your time. If the other person can't give you what you. you want, they're not for you. And that's not a fault of theirs, not a fault of yours. You want to find somebody who wants to give you what you want. And you need to ask this person and share what positive impact it would have if you got it. Not complain about the negative impact it's having because you're not getting it. 1000%.
0: 1000%. It's so funny. I've been doing some matchmaking lately and something I am asking people is, are you a big texter or not? Just because I know how much that affects people and how yep. we end up self-sabotaging if we're not getting the amount of text communication that we need between the dates. Like we get so in our head, we overthink and we end up ruining what could have
1: been a great
0: match, but you know yep. what? That's okay. Cause if, if it's not working out, it's not working out and they're not. Your person. Yeah.
1: And if you are, if this person writing in is more anxiously attached. Please work on yourself and to secure yourself because even if somebody is texting you all day, every day, if you're the kind of person, if they text off once and you're like, oh my God, what happened? You need to go to therapy. Like it doesn't matter how much the other person is reassuring you. If you're equating communication to reassurance, that is definitely a wound to heal so that if they text you a lot- if they text you a lot, great. If they don't text you a lot, I'm so busy living my life. I don't notice. I'm not sitting there all day being like, did he text? Did he text? Did he text? That's a recipe for disaster. Go build your own life worth living and have dating be a part of it until you find somebody who you want to share more of your life with.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Last question for you. My favorite question to ask, what is the best piece of dating or relationship advice you've ever received or have
1: to give? I think some of the best relationship advice that I've given is to look at yourself first before you look at the other person for a flaw, for a fault, or that they're not doing something. And if you are able to tell yourself, like, well, I'm upset at this person because I would have, I would, I fill in the blank. That is a strong sign that you need to do more of your own work and be introspective rather than out, like outsourcing or blaming the other person why are you expecting that of the other person? Did you ever talk to them about this? Did they, did you talk about it? Did they agree to it? And did they fall short of an agreement is totally different than I subconsciously am expecting this for this person. Cause I would do that. And that's what I equate to love. And they're falling short. They're failing a test. They didn't even know they were taking. So that's, I would say some of the best advice that I've been, that I've given to other people. And some of the best advice that I've received is it comes from my dad loosely translated from his his um <laughs> the way that he words it is to to pick the person it's not gonna, the the person who makes you lighten up and be softer and be like less intense if you're the more intense one that's the person for you like who you think you want might not be the actual best fit you want somebody who's going to grow you in the ways mm-hmm. that it might be like oh shit i really do have to work on my patience my this my that they're, yes, they want to amplify the great parts about you, but they should also be bringing out those shadows of you to be like, yeah, wow, you really trigger me. Like am I, He's the human bottle of Valium. He is so even keel. I am so much more even keel because I've taken his lead and I've learned from him and I'm like, witnessing, I'm like, wow, you're really unbothered. Like, how do you do that? Whereas before I would have been like, somebody else needs to be freaking out while I'm freaking out. Like pick the person who can compliment you and who also brings out your strengths, but helps you to grow out of your weaknesses.
0: I could talk about everything you just said, both the the giving and the receiving parts (laughs) for literally an entire other hour. (laughs) Um, so all I'm going to say is those were incredible pieces of advice. Thank Thank you you so much for sharing them. Yeah. Yes. I, the, what you had said of, I, me going, yeah, damped, wanting to talk about it for an hour, um, the like <laughs> asking yourself, like, is this something like I would do, like, but we never talked about it, or we there was no expectation yeah. that they would do that. I've actually never heard anybody say that, and I think that is so wise and so insightful, and something that we all could do a much better job at.
1: Yep, we all need to check ourselves where our expectations of how other people should or shouldn't behave come yeah. from. And once you really understand part of it's biological, part of it's your family system and what you expected based on the system you grew up in, you can really free yourself and understand that like people have their own autonomy and you can choose to interact or react to it. You don't have to be so impactful. Well, Why are they this? Why are right. you bothered by it? And my yeah. clients hate, they hate and love. They're like, fuck you. And I'll see you next week. And I'm like, love you too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we well, should do a whole other you. episode if you want. I'm all I Down. can talk. I love my own voice. Obviously, I have three podcasts, so I'll talk to anyone about anything.
0: <laughs> Any day, anytime. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Cool. I can't wait.
1: Perfect. Talia, thank you so, so much for You're being welcome. here. Where can everybody find you? Um, Instagram and TikTok are both at Talia Bombola, so my name. And then I have my podcast, Heal Through Humor. Uh, between two clinicians with Adam Luke and then the couples guide podcast with Ryan Hill. Those are, I think my main platforms. And those are like all over social media and um, YouTube as well. If people want to watch the episodes. And we will have all of that linked in the show
0: notes guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, please, please send this episode to a friend who would love to hear it. Share it with the group chat, share it with your coworkers, send it to your therapist. Why not? Maybe they have someone who wants to hear it, put it on your story, tag (laughs) us, tag Talia, and I'll talk to you guys next time. (laughs) Thank you everyone. Thanks for listening, daters. I hope today's episode made you feel just a little bit less alone out there, no matter what your status might be. Give your finger a break from swiping and hit that follow and review button instead. And if you have any burning questions or want to share your own dating horror stories, reach out to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, keep on seeing other people.
1: Uh, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com